listening to First Church Charlotte. Matthew chapter number two, verse number one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. My, my title for the next few moments is this, Walking Toward the New. Walking Toward the New. I want us to place ourselves, if possible, uh, in the shoes of the Magi seeking the King of the Jews. I want to talk about who they were. I want to talk about perhaps what moved them. And I want to talk about the lessons that we can apply to our heart and our life to be more effective in our spiritual purpose and in our spiritual, our spiritual calling. First of all, just to be clear, we do not know that they were kings. That arose later in Christian tradition, I think around the 6th century that became popular. The Bible does not say they were kings. I know the song says they were they kings. I don't even know the song. We three kings of Orient are. Stay calm. Nobody scream or faint, all right? Uh, they were magi. What does that mean? They were wise men. That's one way to understand them. They were philosophers. That's another way to understand them. And they were astrologers. That is one way to understand them. However, I should point out that the manner in which they studied astrology was not necessarily in the same manner as you reading the horoscope in the newspaper. <laughs> it's not exactly the same thing. Perhaps I'll talk more about that in a moment. We don't know that they were kings, but we know that they were philosophers, as it were. They were seekers, and that's the most important thing I want you to take away from learning from the wise men. They were first and foremost seekers. All of us need to accept the fact that we do not have everything that God has for us, and we are seeking what is next in his will, his calling, his anointing in our lives. Elbow your neighbor and say your anointing matters. Go ahead. Point at somebody if they're not close enough to hit them. If you can hit them, go ahead and sock them. They need it. That's right. Thank you very much. Um, I want you to, I want you to say, say your anointing matters. I need you to believe that because too often we live as though it doesn't. Um, I, I want to say this to you. Your calling matters. Tell them, say, your calling matters. Why do I want you to do that? I want you to see we too often live as though our calling doesn't matter when it absolutely matters. We cannot settle for just having enough to bear within our own lives a sense that I am religious. It's not enough to simply have a label on our life. You have to believe that God has a big investment in you and can some church folks say amen. God did not accidentally place you. He purposefully placed you. That means your faith can make a difference. Yes. Amen. 
I'm going to have to get excited here in just a moment. That means your prayer moves the needle of the spiritual need in your life. That means your word makes a difference. So how are you using your word? And so uh, these three men, these wise men, they, they bring gifts. And we think uh, there are three of them, and I've referenced here several times already, there were three. Because in Christian tradition, uh, we think there were three because there were three gifts given. Uh, let me be clear. We don't know that there were three. We know there were three types of gifts. There may have been more. There may have been less. Let's not uh, fight over it. They gave gold, they gave incense, and they gave myrrh. Um, Interesting thing is that uh, a lot of people think, including myself, that the wise men came to the manger. Every manger scene I've ever seen. When I was growing up, we had manger scenes around the house. There was always the wise man, and there was always the donkey. And I would go by, and I would point at the donkey, and I would say, children, that's my brother. And then I would point at the wise man, I would say, children, that is me. Not truly, I'm just having fun trying to make you laugh on a December Sunday morning. (laughs) I I want you to see, we always imagine them at the manger, but actually, uh, they didn't come to the manger. I know I'm messing with your theology. Uh, Don't you hate it when you think you know something and then you realize that you're not really that good of a Bible student? They didn't really come to the manger. The Bible doesn't mention that. It mentions their house. So they probably came later after they had, as it were, uh, made their inquiries, traveled their miles, and came to, to worship. The Bible mentions they worship Jesus in a house, not a stable. And you will remember that Herod felt threatened by all the children, two and younger. So uh, just some misconceptions in the category of fun facts. Let's talk about how far they traveled. The Bible has this beautiful poetic phrase in the Psalms that says this, some come from far. I've enjoyed preaching that a few times in my ministry. Some come from far. They had made a journey of eight or hundred, eight hundred or nine hundred miles to see uh, Jesus. Now, there's no easy way in this time to make a journey of eight or nine hundred miles. It is a serious commitment to them, for them to do that. And so you must ask this question if you're reflective at all. You must ask this question, how did they know to even look? How did they know to even seek? How did they know to watch for a king to be born in the house of Israel? That is an important question. Uh, If you don't immediately know the answer to it, uh, I want you to know you're not the only one. Lots of people don't know, and uh, I'm not trying to trap you in a Bible trivia question, but I do want you to know this. You've been serving God long enough. You ought to know this. How did they know to come? Well, here's how they knew. Because they were followers of one of the great magi in their kingdom, and would anyone like to guess his name? Uh, It is Daniel. 
they know about a, 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 a king of the Jews to be born because they know through Daniel. Real quick, let me catch you up on some Bible trivia here. All during the same time of the exile, Jeremiah is the voice of God in Judea, and he is speaking the word of God in Judea. Ezekiel, similar time, similar generation, similar spread of dates, he is God's voice to the common believer, the common keeper of the law of Moses in the kingdom of exile, but he is not the voice to the court of kings. He is the voice to the common believer, keeper of covenant in the kingdom of exile, and on and in the court of the kings, God raises up witnesses and testimonies, leaders, and you want to know who God's voice in the court of that kingdom is? It is Daniel, and to a lesser degree, his Hebrew brethren, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are the voice of God in that place. I want to speak to all of you, and let me remind you that wherever you find yourself, God probably would like his word to be spoken there. Wherever you find yourself. I, I hope you have the career of your dreams, but let's be honest, you may not. And if you don't, don't spend so much time hating on the job you have that you forget to be the manifest word of God in that place where you are. Jeremiah is rejected by his own family, thrown into a well to sink in the clay and mire, but he says, you know, I'm in the clay, I'm in the mire. God would like to say something in the middle of this mess. Ezekiel is with the downtrodden. He says, I'm with the downtrodden, but it might be that God has something to say to the downtrodden, and Daniel is in the court of kings, and Daniel says it might be that God has something to say right here in the court of kings. Let me say something right now. This is not a church that is just directed at one group and somehow forget about the other. I want people who have nothing to hear the gospel, and I want people who have so much money, their wallet hurts their back to carry it around town. They need Jesus too. They may need Jesus more. We want to be a voice for God wherever we are. In the high place or in the low, what are we trying to do? To manifest the heart of God. Does anybody want to preach with me here for a little while? And so uh, Daniel is made what? He's made chief of the Magi. You can read about it in his book. And his teaching doesn't just, isn't just encapsulated in a moment, but it flows through empires. He served four different kingdoms. In the changing of the preeminent kingdoms of that time, and uh, his status was exalted in every kingdom, and his influence was spoken into the court, into the magi, the wise men, the counselors of every one of those kingdoms. Now, that was nearly, that was hundreds of years before uh, Jesus was born. Why were they even thinking about a king of the Jews when they're a part? of the greatest kingdom in the world. Why would they even care? Do you see? Persia is not where Rome is anymore. Persia's not on top, but let's be honest, compared to Israel, 
They're big time. Do you see? And so why do they care? Well, they care because Daniel was not just a speaker of prophecy. Daniel was a lover of the word of the Lord. And Daniel became a collector and a protector of the Hebrew Bible. However he could receive it, we know this, that there were scrolls throughout all the kingdoms that the Jews were dispersed. Daniel would have been a part because of his status, because of his place. He would have been a part in the collecting, the protection, and even the teaching sharing of the Hebrew Bible, not just a man of prophecy. And that would have flowed in to the very court of the Magi that he was in charge of. And they would have heard a story from the Hebrew Bible about how one day the king, the, the, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, was going to be announced by a star. There was only one way they could hear this story. Stay with me for a few moments here. Only one way they could hear this story. And that is somewhere in the years of Daniel's teaching, the years of him pouring himself into others. What he does is he is able to give. He's able to impart this story. And it's the story at the end of the uh, exodus where the house of Israel is coming back to the promised land that they had earlier lost. They had earlier missed, shall we say, their opportunity. And there is a king who is afraid of the great crowd of the house, the host of Israel. Uh, his name is Balak, and he is a Moabite king, and he, he hires a false prophet, not of the house of Israel, named Balaam. And Balaam has a relationship with God, uh, but Balaam is not of the house of Israel, interestingly enough. We don't need to live our life like God's influence ends with us. God has sheep we don't even know of. Can I have a big amen? And so Balaam uh, is paid to put a curse on Israel, and this is the story where uh, Balaam's donkey is more righteous, shall we say, insightful, spiritually astute uh, than the prophet is, and he won't go into uh, the path where the angel of the Lord stands with a sword, and you guys know the story, and four times the Bible says Balaam opened his mouth to curse and God said, you will not say what you want to say. You're going to say what I have given you to say. And he opens his mouth to curse, and instead, blessings comes out. Let me remind you of something that you may need to know. Some of you may live, be living with conflict. You may be in a career where you have someone who you feel like is trying to destroy you. Everything you do, they seem to find a way to try to make you look bad or to hurt you or in some way to damage where you are and who you are. I want you to be reminded that when God is for you, curses get recycled into blessings. If God is for me, do I have any believers here in the house? If God is for me, come on now, if God is for me, I wish some of you would get excited when you say that. If God is for me, I wish you'd say it to the devil. If God is for me, who can be against me? Praise God, somebody. So this is how we get to a star. Are you ready for the star? The oracle of Balaam, this is the false prophet, or not necessarily false, but shall we say backslidden prophet, son of Beor, oracle of one, 
whose eye sees clerical, oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. This is the word. This is how we get to a star. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star. Somebody say a star. A star. A star. A star. A star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. Here's how we get to a star. Daniel is a long way from Jerusalem, but he is loving the word of God and he is teaching the word of God. And the generations of wise men who follow in his stead, they may not be of the house of Israel like he is. They may not be able to claim the covenant given to Moses as though it was their covenant. They may not be able to stand upon a literal inheritance of a patriarchal father. They they may not, but they remember a story somehow, some way. When they gather together, they remember a story that a star is going to announce a king. A star is going to announce a king. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but let me tell you what's going to happen. A star is going to announce a king. It's kind of like people nowadays. I don't know when the trumpet's going to blow. I don't know when the, 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 the king is going to return, but let me tell you what's going to happen and a trumpet's going to blow and the king is going to return. I live in the same tension. Is anybody hearing me here today? I live in the same tension, the same painful tension of I know God's going to do it. I don't know when and I don't know how. So let me stand upon what I know. This is what I know. God is going to do it. I don't know when and I don't know how. But let me tell you what I know. God is going to do it. I don't know when and I don't know how, but let me tell you what I know. God is going to do it. I've come to tell you today. God is able to make a difference in your life. I don't know how and I don't know when, but let me tell you, God's going to make a difference in your life. Let me tell you, God's going to heal your body. I don't know how. I don't know when. Somebody say it with me. God is going to heal your body. In Jesus' name. First service, I shouted for my own preaching. I know that you're not supposed to do that, but I shouted, mm, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know how and I don't know when, but let me tell you what I know. God is going to do it. So Balaam's prophecy said a star would rise out of the land of Jacob, and it would be simultaneous with the rising of Israel's scepter. Uh, and so here you have wise men. A lot they don't know, but they're seekers, they're seekers, they're seekers, they're seekers, they're seekers. I don't know everything, but I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm asking and I'm asking and I'm asking and I'm asking. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. I am seeking. The most important thing to know about these wise men is not that they were seekers of the heavenly bodies or searchers, I should say, of heavenly bodies. That's a way that's not a why. Um, the most important thing is not even to know that they are inheritors of Daniel's 
spiritual gift and spiritual bequest to uh, the nation where God had placed him. The most important thing to know about them is they're hungry and they're seeking and they're searching and they're asking. Now, I don't know exactly what movement in the heavenly bodies caught their attention, but let me tell you what I think. Um, This is the result not of my work. This is a result of a lot of scholars, and there's more on this uh, in your notes, more on this you can look into on your own time. But if you look around the time period of the years, right around where our calendar, our Julian calendar, places the birth of Christ, which in a strange miscount of history is not at zero, uh, is actually at 3 or 4 B.C. And if you look around 3 or 4 B.C., I know it's a problem. Uh, I know the count is off, but history can be unkind, and they get their counts and calendars and leap years and whatnot confused, and that's how it falls. So 3 or 4 B.C., uh, what movements of the heavens would have stirred the attention of wise men who spent their life seeking the heavens for heavens for a sign, and they're not wrong to do so. I, I am not uh, in any way a believer in astrology as it is practiced in uh, the realm uh, outside, of, outside of biblical example. Uh, that said, um, I am aware that the Bible uses signs in the heavens prophetically, and it uses signs in the heavens intentionally. Let me read from the book of Genesis. Uh, this is chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So it is not a prophetical misstep for the signs of prophecy and God's timing to be in the heavens. And so if we look around that time frame, what could have caught their attention? This is what I think happened. Every 12 years, Jupiter aligns with the star Regulus. Why would Regulus be an important star? Regulus is, you'll notice the association of the nine with royalty or regist. Regulus, the star of kings, Uh, It is the brightest star in the constellation known as Leo. Why Leo? Because Leo is the constellation of the lion, and the lion in historical symbolism is is a constellation of royalty. And so wise men and astrologers from history uh, past all look to that as a place of signs for the rise and fall of royalty. So every 12 years, uh, Jupiter lines up with uh, Regulus. And Regulus is not just one star. Regulus is actually a double binary star. It has a primary that is super bright, and then it has two that also uh, orbit around it. This makes it the brightest star in the constellation. Every 12 years, Jupiter touches it and pulls away. Jupiter touches it and pulls away. But around three, maybe somewhere between four and two uh, BC, something very, very rare happened in the movement of the celestial bodies. Now, I'm not doing doctrine. I'm just trying to look at this with the interest of a Bible student, what could have happened. 
And this happened uniquely in this time that would have shocked the attention of anyone who studied the constellation of kings trying to see the rise and fall of powers, and that would be this. Yes, Jupiter moves toward Regulus and aligns and disappears into that star of kings, but it begins to draw away, and as it draws away, everything seems normal, right? It's a 12-year cycle, no big deal. Jupiter's going to pull away, and then it's going to draw back. It's going to pull away. It's going to draw back. It's like dating. Come here, come here, come here. Get away, get away, get away. Come here. (laughs) That was funny. I don't care what y'all tired suckers say. And so here you have Jupiter drawing away. But this time, rather than just drawing away, Jupiter starts away, stops, thinks about it, changes its mind, and goes back and disappears once again into Regulus. A little while later, not very long later, what happens? Jupiter starts pulling away again. And what does it do a second time? It stops and it goes back and disappears into Regulus. This is the movement of the heavens. This is just what we think might would have shocked anyone watching. Three times, not once, three times, Jupiter disappears into the star of kings. And somewhere, perhaps, this is what I I and many other people suspect, and they're much smarter than me, so we're going to go with their suspicions. They think anyone watching this star of kings would say, holy moly, which is a famous saying of wise men everywhere. (laughs) Seriously, you want to be wise? Look at something askance and say, holy moly. (laughs) Or here's a good second that wise men are famous for. Whoa. Everything that we expected to be predictable turned out to be a little bit unpredictable. We thought we knew what was going on, but God just turned upside down the apple cart. And we don't have a single clue. What does this mean? Is the world coming to an end? Should we make a Hollywood blockbuster about climate change? Or should we write a zombie novel about they're coming to bite you as fast as they can and nothing will stop them? What is going on in the heavens? Well, for wise men sitting in Persia remembering the teacher, the teacher who had told them the story that a star would announce the rise of a king of Israel. They say, we've been here. Praise God, the lovebirds have come back into the service. (laughs) Praise the Lord. If you notice, her lipstick is all over his face. I don't know what happened with that, but things like this happen. All right, back on point. Enough with the lovebirds. (laughs) Preaching on wives be subject to the husband, just so you know how that... Don't quit the... Hey, don't say amen. (laughs) Here are the wise men. They look, what is going on in the heavens? Everything. This is what they in this moment come to realize. And I want you to hear this because this is the first lesson that all of us can learn from the wise men. Are you ready for this? It's not enough to read prophecy in Persia. There comes a time where you need to pack a camel. It's not enough to sit on the couch and think about how the few wish you could do this for God. You wish you could accomplish that for God. You wish you could be involved in that ministry. There comes a moment in your spiritual development where timing matters 
And if you're ever going to take a chance, now's the time to stir the courage you can gather in your heart and say, today is the acceptable year of the Lord. They realize it's not enough to read prophecy in Persia. They need to pack a camel. They need to buy a saddlebag. And they need to go seek the Messiah that is born king of the Jews. Oh, hear me. Some of us will never become who we are empowered by God to become because we won't get off our spiritual couch. I don't want to be stuck on the couch when God says it's time for you to take what I've invested in you and make a difference in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be stuck in the comfort zone when God says today is the day. Now is the time. Take what I have given you. Take your abilities. Take every talent. Take every gift. Take every unction of my spirit and make a difference. All right, I know I'm yelling at you. I don't even care. So if we stay in Persia when it is a time for us to pursue the prophetical insight God has given us, we don't help anybody anywhere, including ourselves. And the journey to get where we need to be can be exhausting. It can be tiresome. Uh, some days, uh, uh, my life feels like it consists of a bunch of junk that doesn't mean anything. I know I'm the only one. None of you feel this way. The mundane can just knock the spiritual right out of you. I can have some of the most powerful prayer meetings, and as soon as I get done praying, I make the mistake of looking at my phone. You see, if I just, mm, I got an amen over here from the Mellick's department. If I could have just stayed away from my phone, I could have stayed up here in the area of the anointed ones and not deal with you suckers down in the valley. But the moment I pick up that phone, you know what I'm bombarded with? Just stuff, just stuff, just stuff. They're mad at them, and they're mad at them, and you're mad at me, and I'm mad at you, and I knew I was mad at you, and I knew I was right, but you're mad at me. That makes you wrong. I'm a giver like that. I'm selfless, real Christianity, just like that. Do you see a junk? The li- our life can feel like we spend most of our days stuck on the back of a smelly camel. Day after day. And the cold wind blows. And the rain falls. And then the sun sets. And the stars you couldn't see become visible. The distraction of all the junk in your life dims. And there, once you have somehow been separated from everything else in your life, there rising above the horizon is the star that sends you seeking the Messiah. That's the star right there. Let me point out something to you that I think is very practical, but for me it's helpful. You can't travel during the night and you can't see the star during the day. Let me say that again. You can't travel at night and you can't see the star during the day. That means you need to connect some waypoints in your life. I don't know where this is going to end up, but let me tell you, in the meantime, I'm going in that direction. 
I set a marker over here. You see, when the stars were up, I couldn't travel. But what I did is I got myself lined up. I'm sleeping right here, and the star's right there. I'm going in that direction. Now, tomorrow, I won't be able to see the star. So I've already laid out a plan here. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Some of us never start because we don't see all the way to where we're going to be. If you wait to see the end of the matter, you'll never begin. You've got to find a waypoint in the here and now. What's something I can do? Don't wait for something that's perfect. That's never going to happen. And if it did, you wouldn't be qualified. Don't wait for perfect. Find yourself something I, I can do tomorrow. I'm setting up right here. I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know which way I'm going to go. But let me tell you, I'm going to wake up right here. I'm going to lift my eyes. And you know which way I'm going? I'm going that way. Do you see? I can wake up and feel sorry for myself. Oh, I can't see the star. Nothing ever good happens to me. Right about the time I start to make progress, the sun comes up and I can't see the star. I guess I'll just sit back now. No, no. And again, I say in triplicate, no. You need to get something you can do tomorrow. And so... We have to see beyond the mundane because the mundane will always convince us that our purpose is in some way pathetic. The mundane will convince us that our calling is in some way unimportant, uneventful. I had you elbow your neighbor earlier and some of you punched him and say this, your calling matters. Your calling matters. Your calling matters. It's not enough. Principle number one for people who are journeying toward their spiritual destiny, destiny, their divine calling is this. Reading prophecy isn't enough. You have to put your walking shoes on. You have to pack a bag and you have to journey toward your star. James write th writes this to the church in Jerusalem. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can I have a big amen? Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Be ye doers of the word. Doers of the word. Doers of the word. Behold, I repeat myself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only and not hearers only and not hearers only. Deceiving. Somebody say deceiving deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror he looks at himself he sees what he looks like in that moment but as soon as he walks away he forgets that he needed to wash that face he forgets that he had stuff coming out of mm, his, uh, let's say his eye so I don't gross my wife out do you see what I'm saying here if you're just a doer, you are deceiving yourself by, excuse me, a hearer, you're deceiving yourself that hearing is the point of God's word. Yes. When hearing is to build faith, so you'll have courage to go and be a doer of the word. The second principle, and musicians, you can come, I'm almost done. The second principle for people who are journeying toward their spiritual purpose, their spiritual calling, is that uh, your journey will be much easier if you can find a few people who are watching the same star. 
your journey will be a lot easy if you're not, easier if you're not the only one following the star. Now, I didn't say it'd be easy to find people following the star. It may not. Yes. But find some people following the same star. Yeah. Let me give you this. If you'd like to write it down, I'll, I'll, I'll send you an invoice later, okay? Wise men don't travel alone. God, speak. If you'll find some people who are following the same star, your journey will be much better. That's why God placed you in a church family. That's why God placed you in a body of Christ. That's why the local church is God's plan to change the world. Because wise men and wise women don't travel alone. What if something bad happens and there's no one there to help them? It wouldn't be very wise, would it? Find some people. It may not even be your natural family that is following this star of divine calling and purpose. You might have to find a spiritual family. But thank God for a spiritual family. Because there'll be times when you need someone else to help you recover from the pains of your traveling. You need someone else to join with you and fight off the bandits of risk that want to steal and kill. You'll need somebody. Don't travel alone. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 14. Jesus appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. Wait just a minute. You mean Jesus himself needed people to be with him? It seems to be the case. He chose them to be with them, and then he took them everywhere. And changed by his presence, he sent them out to manifest his gospel, to preach, to share, to teach his gospel to their world. If Jesus wanted to travel with others, I'm here to tell you, who do we think we are that we can make this on our own? All of you watching online, God bless you. I love you. This church needs you. And if you'll dare me, if you'll allow me to dare be so bold, you need the church. We are not intended to do life alone. If you want, look, it can be difficult to find people who are following the same star. It can be. Um, the Bible gives us advice not to yoke ourselves uh, with unbelievers. Now, that's not an excuse for divorce. And you can't say that my spouse has backslid, therefore I'm divorcing them. If that worked, my wife would have long since left me on the curb. But she's stuck with me. Like me or hate me, she's stuck with me. Y'all pray for her. She'll make heaven her home and her family be saved. But if you want to make your journey miserable, travel with someone who's going someplace different than you. You know that's the case because every crossroads is a battle. I want to go this way. I want to go that way. I want to go this way. But I'm following that star. I'm following this star over here. There's all kind of stars in the sky, and not everybody's following the same star. Find some people who know how to join with you in being a seeker. I'm 
seeking God's purpose. I'm seeking God's anointing. I'm seeking God's blessing. It will be easier if you'll find a few people who are following the same star as you are. And lastly, the third principle for people who are seeking spiritual destiny is simply this. Wherever you are on your journey, go ahead and be a worshiper. Don't wait until you're there to learn how to worship. Why, 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 why do I say this? Well, when you finally find this one who was born king of the Jews, it will be such a moment of spiritual completion that it'll be easy to worship there. But I would have you to know these wise men did not start being interested in the king of the Jews once they found him. They were interested before they ever left Persia. If you wait until the title is good enough that you approve, you'll do nothing for God. If you wait till someone gives you a microphone, you won't do anything for God. You'll just kind of sit around and feel sorry for yourself because no one will give you the microphone. My own wife has to fight me for the microphone. You think I'm going to give it just randomly? That's funny and no one laughed. I don't know what's wrong with my humor today. Uh, just not as funny today. Y'all pray for me. I blame the sugar overload of the past week. I, I want you to see if you're waiting until the band gets there and the, the, the lights get there, you won't be much of a worshiper. While you're in Persia, you need to find somebody interested in this star that has an announcement. And you find, say, you know, Daniel, our great leader, told us about a star that was going to signify a true change of spiritual moment. A change. Man, this was going to matter. A lot of wise men weren't interested, but they found somebody who was, and they talked one to another, and they considered together, and they learned together, and they studied together, and a day came when the star shocked them in the heavens, and they said, we don't know what's going on. If we were ever going to do it. Now is the time. And what did they do? Uh, they started walking. Don't wait until you're there to be a worship, a worshiper. Learn how to be a worship a worshiper at the beginning, at the place wherever you are. Don't wait until you're there at the house to be a worshiper. On the journey, learn how to be a worshiper. Watch this. Psalms 95, verse number one. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. All you folks who are tired, I want to invite you to be a worshiper. All of you who are weary, I want to invite you to be a worshiper. You see, if you know where you're going, you can leave what happens when you get there to the one who promised you would make it. 
stand with me all across the house. I'm not waiting till the marriage supper of the Lamb to be a worshiper. In the here and now, tired feet, a sore back, a smelly camel, a cold winter wind, bandits trying to take what God has promised me, surrounded by those who would do me harm, asking for direction from kings who would kill anything God would do. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a worshiper. Why? I hope you get this. Worship isn't about feeding God's ego. Worship is about reminded my very reminding my very distractible soul that he is great and greatly to be praised. Worship is about God, but it's for me. Because if I don't keep my eye on the star, the cold wind's going to discourage me. If I don't keep my eye on the star, I'll stop being a seeker. And I'm making an appeal to everyone here today. It's not enough to be a church attender. You need to seek the anointing in your life because God has more for you than you've settled for. God has greater works than these available to the person who will arise in faith and claim what God is doing. I am preaching to the church as though we weren't in a trying time. I'm preaching to you as though you aren't tired, as though you are filled with faith. I'm saying those things that are not as though they are because God is wanting to work through all across this house Lord I'm committing myself to your way Lord I'm seeking your anointing I'm not satisfied with a form of godliness I am seeking your way I'm seeking your mission I am seeking your calling does anybody feel that way in this house here today? Can you forget about the distractions in your world for a moment here? And can you pray that prayer with me? God, I am seeking your anointing. I am seeking your calling. Oh, God, I am hungry for your blessing. I am desirous of your way. I am passionate for your blessing, your favor, your purpose, your power. Let it happen here at First Church, oh, God. Let let the miraculous happen here, not for the sake of us, but for the glorification of your name. Just simply include us in what you've already decided you want to do. Include us in what you have already ordained you will do. I'm going to open this front right now. I'm gonna... Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.